0: Good morning. It's a real pleasure to be here again, and today I'm so excited (laughs) and delighted to be with uh, Gary Levy, who is an educator and is a part of the Draw Israel movement. And without further ado, I really simply want to jump in with Gary into the discussion. Welcome, (laughs) Gary, how are you? I'm
1: fine, thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of
0: course, it's great pleasure for us. Great honor that you're with us. Um, So can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? I mean, in the sense, how come you became an educator and a part of uh, Dorisrael? Um,
1: well, it probably all starts before I even was born. Um, <laughs> Good start. My parents uh, lived in England, and uh, the fairy tale said that when my father uh, went down on his knees and uh, offered uh, my mum to marry her, she said there was one condition, and that was once the first child is born, we make Aliyah and move to Israel.
0: Wow. And
1: three late years later, I came along as the first child, and when I was four months old, my parents came to live in Israel. My mum is a teacher and uh, I grew up in the north of Israel in a small town by Haifa and Mm. at the age of 10 I joined a youth movement in Israel um, and from there I began uh, dreaming of living an idealistic way of life Mm. and the path was short from there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no mixed feeling, no ambiguity, nothing. You just knew this is the right way for you to live. It's brilliant. It's very unusual. Uh,
1: yes, I think I come from a very value-based home. Um, mm-hmm. My grandparents, my parents, my sisters, my brother, we all found paths path to, to live a way that fulfills our dreams. And not only personal dreams, but also dreams for uh, what we wish and dream and hope for Israel to be.
0: Okay, meaning the social dreams for Israel, then? Uh, Yes, yes,
1: each one in a very different way, but uh, very much so.
0: Wow, brilliant. Uh, Wonderful. Can you just tell us what your sister is doing?
1: Uh, One sister is a social worker, Uh, another sister uh, works in the community in the sports field, and uh, my younger brother did uh, a long service in the IDF and now is a doctor.
0: Meaning you're a family of empathy and compassion. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Doing our best, that's brilliant. We try hard. (laughs) (laughs) You put your heart and soul in it and it feels like it's working. So um, can you tell for our audience which, which Conclude people who are not Israelis and are not, so some of them are not even Jewish. Can you tell Jews? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what is Dor Israel because not everybody knows and and the meaning of the name. I think because it's in Hebrew and perhaps people don't understand the meaning of it. So okay, if you can so, elaborate.
1: So um, the word meaning drawer is a, a deep essence of freedom and Israel is Israel. Um, but it's named after uh, a Zionist movement um, that was active in Eastern Europe uh, between uh, World War, mainly between World War I and World War II and unfortunately it was perished during the Holocaust and we took upon ourselves the name to try and be those that continue uh, the spirit of uh, those youngsters that were idealistic youngsters that were preparing themselves in Eastern Europe to come and establish a Jewish state in Israel. Um, DROR is an educational movement. Uh, we today have uh, about three, 1,300 adults, young adults oh, wow. uh, living in uh, educators' communities, uh, trying to better Israeli society and promote values of peace, democracy, social justice, leadership, social involvement. Mm. Um, And we have a large range, a very wide variety of educational platforms to create these changes in the neighborhoods, especially in the periphery of Israel and um, uh, the social periphery uh, and the more challenging places.
0: (laughs) More interesting places that's where for sure. there is a need for hope, and once there is hope, everything can flourish. i think uh, can you just tell us a little bit because it was very interesting for me? Can you tell us a little bit about these communities of of educators that you you know you gave us a hint or regarding them? Can you elaborate and tell them what what is special about them, who are the people who are coming becoming you know
1: Yes, so um, we're talking mainly about young adults after the army service in Israel, which is compulsory from the age of 18 till about the age of 21. Um, Many of them have the background of the youth movement that I uh, belong to, which is um, a very large youth movement in Israel, working with children from the age of 10 to 18 throughout the country in informal education. Uh, And we establish communities. Um, that have a shared vision and a shared mission of bettering Israeli society through education and living a communal way of life. Uh, These communities uh, establish themselves um, and usually uh, go live, as I said, in one of the um, peripheral uh, cities or towns of Israel. Uh, Each community is made up of between 50 and 100 young adults. Um, that live together in the same neighborhood or sometimes even in the same building, we may speak about it later. And they are all involved um, and finance themselves through educational and community work within the communities where they work. So imagine 80 people living in mm. the town of Akko, which is a mixed Jewish-Arab town. Yeah. Um, and then one goes in the morning to the elementary school and is a teacher mm. and one is a social worker and one has a sports uh, uh, organization and one does arts and music and at the end of the day they all come back to the same building, they all meet and I think that's something very powerful, not being mm. alone but trying to create change through a community. Mm, that's
0: brilliant and and these people, how long do they stay in this community?
1: Um, Well, that's another interesting question. Um, They don't commit for anything. I mean, Mm. we're talking about young adults Uh, at the moment. They can come for a year, they can come for three years, they can come for 10 years, or like me, they can be going for 25 years and hopefully for another 50 years. Uh, It's a growing organization. It's a grassroots organization. Mm. And what we're trying to establish is a way of life. It's changing all the time because the life of 25-year-olds is different than 35 years old. I can even admit it's different from 45 years old. I can't tell you about 55 years old, but I (laughs) hope when we sit here in a few years, uh, the movement will grow and we'll have more and more people. So the invitation is for a way of life. Mm. People can join, leave whenever they like. As long as they like the idea of living in a intentional community mm. that has a vision and a mission. As long as they identify with their ideals, as long as they want to create change mm. in the neighbourhood and towns, they'll be part of Draw Israel.
0: What is beautiful about this is that you said that people are coming, they're you know, getting a home, you know, a supportive environment and so forth, but they don't have to uh, commit. I mean, they don't have to, say to, to make any commitment and in this sense, this is for me is a reincarnation of of uh, the name or the mission of uh, Doro israel which is giving giving keeping the the essence of freedom in it So i think meaning we are here for you but it's your decision for how long you want to be a part of us and is, uh, it's
1: not only that it doesn't matter what your background is from, Mm, how much money you have, what you have studied, um, or um, you don't have to take any intelligent tests or anything. All I say, it's always open on two conditions. As long as you want to live a communal, community way of life, and as long as you want to create change through educational and community work. When that ends, your relationship with drawer ends and It can be a good ending. It doesn't have to be people coming for life. Mm -hmm. People change. The world is dynamic.
0: Do do you have people who went out and came back?
1: Yes, we do. We have people that came (laughs) and left and came back. We have people that have joined because of personal relationships. We've had people that have been part and have left and are still very much in touch. And um, so all sorts of relationships and they're all great. That's
0: brilliant, wonderful. So, um, you know, we talked before a few times and to totally be honest, to be totally honest, I was highly impressed with what you do with the schools. Uh, and I think this is a very unique uh concept that you have and the way it's I believe it's in line with your values and your aspirations. But I, I think the way you, you, I think you do it. I mean, you, you really the, 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 work that you're doing on a regular basis on a daily basis is, is so unique. So are you willing to share with us a little bit about that or a lot about that if, if it's possible?
1: Uh, I'm happy to. <laughs> um, so, When we talk about education, obviously uh, a school is uh, very obvious. Obviously, we're all graduates of the Israeli education system. Many of us are very critical about it. And about a decade ago, we decided to establish um, a new school. Uh, the fir- our first drawer school was in the city of Karmiel, which is in the north of uh, Israel, a city that um, has a small minority in Arabs that live in the city and around it, uh, a large community that from the Soviet, former Soviet Union. And when we wanted to the school, um, we went to the municipality and to the uh, Ministry of Education. And it was very clear that they would give us the students that there is nothing to lose by mm. trying all sorts of educational experiments, if you understand what I mean. Wow. And they gave us all those that don't really attend school. Wow. How, many, uh, how many were they? Uh, we began with um, 30, 40 students, Wow, it's like still a lot to
0: start, yeah. Yes,
1: and it was... A Which hi- age? Fi- a, we're talking about high school, aged 15 okay. to okay. 18. Okay, so it's and high school. I okay. think what we do special is two things. is One is how we teach and two is what we teach. Okay. Um, so how we teach is, first of all, with working with the teens from troubled backgrounds or youth at risk, as we call them sometimes, uh, you have to understand many of them come to us after they've been failing all sorts of schools. Some of them we've literally found on the streets that haven't been physically um, uh, in a school for, for months. Uh, Broken families, some of them have problems uh, with crime, uh, alcohol, violence, and uh, things like that. And what we understood, and this we brought from the youth movement, is that the first thing you need to build with these children and teens is relationships and trust. Many of these children uh, have a big F on their forward. They've failed in every school. I can tell you a story of one of our first students. He arrived to us at the age of 15. He had already been to six different schools before. Wow. Um, So the first thing is to build trust. How do you build trust uh, when the child doesn't come in the morning to the school eight o'clock in the morning and that happens many times with these sort of Mm, children our teachers call them on the mobile phone and the child answers and we say why didn't you come to school and he says i woke up very late i haven't woken up i went to sleep very late and the teacher says i want you to come in and the child day in day out receives this phone call and Mm. when we speak to him after a couple of weeks he says to us you know It's the first time that my teacher has invited me to come to school, because in all my previous schools, whenever I didn't come, it was the best day for my teacher. Mm. So once you build a relationship with a teen, you build trust. Many of them don't have trust in the world of adults. They've been abused by adults. They've been misled by adults. Once you build trust with them, then you can start working on studying on learning and things like that. The other thing is the relationship with the family, uh, the parents. We try to involve the parents very much. Again, mm-hmm. I can tell you, the same student that didn't wake up in yeah. the morning yeah. after two weeks the, that he began waking up and coming to school, and he was you know, playing his role in the classroom and making new friends and cooperating with his teachers, the teacher called his mother, and his mother answered the phone and said, "What's he done?" Wow! And the teacher said, well, I just wanted to tell you how beautifully he's been part of the class and how nicely he's integrated into the school. And the mother said, it's the first time in 16 years somebody has ever called me to say something positive about my child. So I think it's about building these relationships. Once you build the relationships, there's trust, there's love, there's care, I think you can start looking for where this child wants to go in life, what he's good at, what his interest is. You can't take a child that hasn't really been to school and say, well, you need to study mathematics, you have to speak English. So we give them the opportunity to try animals, to try sports, to try art, to try all sorts of things. And where we feel there's a click, that's where we Mm. try to um, make the child go. So if there's a child that's good at music, let him progress in music. Let him feel that he's successful. Let him feel that he's meaningful. Let him feel that he can do things others can't. This will build his self-confidence. Once we have trust, love, care, and self-confidence, that's an enormous opportunity to start learning, to start trying to work on the curiosity and the self-belief of a child that he can flourish that he can grow that he can study that he can succeed and the last stage and that goes back to the community and the leadership is don't keep what you're good at to yourself contribute Mm -hmm. it to the community take it into the community teach others to do what you're brilliant as Mm -hmm. and once somebody becomes a teacher even if he's 16 year old then he's a brilliant student Mm. The other thing I would like to explain Can you just explain. tell me what
0: happened with this I'm curious I'm, I'm a little bit curious about this student how long have has it been already in the in, in in the movement in the system and what happened I mean can you tell us about the uh, progress of this specific just you know This
1: specific student is in the IDF he, does today he a,
0: does he have a name
1: uh, Yes <laughs>
0: Okay.
1: He, he has his name. His name is Evgeny. Evgeny. He comes from a single mother uh, wow. a family. They uh, came to Israel a few years ago. His mother can hardly even speak Hebrew. Uh, she's a single mother. He's today in the army. Wow. Um, serving uh, his compulsory uh, service to to the Israeli uh, army, the IDF. Wow. Um, I think...
0: And and Um, do you have still, I mean, do you keep the connection? I mean, is this... Yes,
1: yes. The school very much becomes to be a second home, sometimes Mm. even a first home. The teachers that work with the children for the whole three, four years, our teachers don't come into the classroom for two hours a week and change. They stay Mm. in the same classroom. Ah. They spend many hours throughout the week with the same children in order to build this uh, 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 relationship. Um, and uh, they very much get to know the children, the children get to know them, and they have a relationship, a close relationship, and um, um, so our teachers, in many cases, really become part of the families.
0: You said something which you know caught my ear, which you're becoming the first home, or first place of belonging, and I was wondering, if I may ask, uh, Probably there are also very basic things like food, uh, and shelter, and clothing, and whatever. And also, once it's becoming the first place of belonging, you know, the real home. Uh, how does it uh, affect the, the the working hours of of the team? And and the, because you know if this is the only place that is really a home, I mean, do you what do you do you tell them to go home after you know this is three o'clock? That's it. You have so.
1: To, so one of the interesting things is we understood some of the homes of the children that we're working with weren't suitable, not for the families and not for the children. Um, so we, when we grew, we today have two boarding schools where the children literally live with us 24/7 wow. throughout the year, they go back home if there is a home to go back to once every second uh, uh, weekend, wow. and there we provide them with food, with clothes, with uh, uh, medical treatment. Some of the children we have to start hygiene, br- tooth uh, brushing, teeth. Wow. Uh, um, when they are already sh- 15. Sometimes they come. All they have is is what they're wearing, and 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 that's it. I mean, it's it's very difficult, but they grow and they flourish and they succeed. And another thing that's important to know is you can't wipe up a history, out, out a history, even if it's 15, 16. there's ups and downs. And um, there are successes and there are failures. And um, it's a very, you know, we say something, one step back, two step forwards. It's not a linear line that the student just, you know, gets better and better and better every day and he becomes a, well-known uh, scientists, you know, that's not the story. But yes, they succeed, they go into the idea, if they may go study something, they will be able to carry a steady job. They will be able to uh, create a healthy family. Um, I can tell you a story of uh, one of our educators, Kibbutzim, uh, named Eshbal, that has an yeah. um, um, uh, ke- uh, educational kennel and one of the things that we work with the children there children that like animals many children love animals children in israel love mm. dogs so they adopt abandoned dogs mames, mm, dogs really? that wow. have been abused or attacked oh and for 6 months they train them wow and you know they train them how not to bark how not to attack how to calm down how to you know they they feed them they take them to the vet wow. and After six months, the job of the student is to find a suitable home for the dog. And during these studies, we speak to the child. Why do you think the dog is aggressive? Why does it attack? What is a good home? And through the process that the child, the student is talking about the dog, he's understanding things about himself. Why are you violent? Why are you aggressive? Why do you get angry? What calms you? If you get food every day, if you're taken care of, what is love and effect all about? What is a good home for the dog? How do we want our good home to look like? So through this, we can do educational and community work. And again, at the end of the year, and it's very emotional, the student goes with the dog to its new home and present wow. it to the family. Wow. and uh, and again, the relationships continue. Many oh, that's times, what I wanted to Many ask. times really? the students wow. stay in touch, and today they, uh, on, on Facebook and on Instagram, they, they, they post things about uh, the they dogs. They didn't want to
0: take fa- the dog home to themselves? Well, so.
1: usually at the end of the year, they will be going again to the army, so they can't oh, take it there. Okay. Another interesting okay. thing is some of them have are serving in units in the IDF or the police that use dogs.
0: So they're using the training again.
1: That's another example of thing.
0: And then you also create for them uh, perhaps a platform for, uh, you know, a a career in the future, uh, like, you know, becoming vet or... Working with dogs. or... Well, yeah. another yeah.
1: example: we work also with horses. We have a stable. Really? And then I didn't know. You never, you
0: never invited me to the <laughs> stable. Okay. You're always
1: invited to <laughs> ride. And at the age of seventeen, yeah, they can take an instru- a riding instructor course.
0: Wow. And then once they oh, finish
1: actually- school, they are riding instructors. And many of them, and today riding is used a lot to work with children with disabilities, and special needs. And then they go into that field, which is really a great, great achievement. I do want to go back to what I said before, yes, one sorry. word about what we teach, not yes. only how we yes. teach. I said about yes. the how, love, relationship, trust, what are you great out, and then give back to the community. I think we understood that, like many people, and definitely speaking here, that the world is rapidly changing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, we're uh, uh, if a hundred years ago, or even when I look at my my parents, I mean, they both did the same job for 40 years. I mean, this is not the world these no. teens are growing into. No. Um, and fif- a 15 year old today. It's very hard to even imagine some of the jobs and opportunities he will have in 10, 12, 15 years because of the rapid changes in technology, in science, and things like that. So, I, we sat down with the Ministry of Education and we thought, what would be future professions? What will be things that these teens will be growing in? And we are today the only high schools in Israel. For example, on Kibbutz Ravid, which is where I live, also up in the Galilee, we have a fab lab, which is a maker's place, uh, where we have 3D printers, CNC cutters, laser burning. And the children learn using this cutting-edge technology. Mm. And one, when you take children that are disadvantaged, and you put them into this high-tech environment, they feel respected, they feel challenged, it gives them the Mm. motivation. And two, it will prepare them for the world that they're really growing into. Um, Another school that we've opened in Haifa, I didn't mention, we have nine schools today. Okay, wow. From Mitzperamon, which is down Mm -hmm. south in the the desert up uh, until the north in Haifa, we have a school right on the seashore now the sea is a huge asset oceans are a huge asset um assets and we discuss and so we've opened the first track of studying about ocean studies and wow. sea studies wow. and that goes through He didn't
0: tell me all he didn't tell me all of this I'm so telling you How have- <laughs> do you attract
1: students you say come and yeah. as part of your school Lessons, you'll do a diving course, a sailing course, you'll learn about Mm -hmm. pollution of the sea, you'll learn about sea life, you'll learn about food that grows in the sea. Mm. And through that, again, they learn all about the environment, they learn all about the sea, they have a great time scuba diving and sailing, but also doing amazing programs of learning about how to build underwater okay if you want to build a new port today and you have to have construct underwater constructions this is something that technology knows how to do today so they learn these sort of things and again so we're giving them not only a good way of studying and a good relationship and a good environment we're also giving them the opportunity to learn what we hope and think will be relevant for them in 10-15
0: years that's, that's amazing um um can you tell us about the difference between if there is between boys and girls? This is the first question i was I was wondering because because um perhaps the interaction is different. would you like to elaborate or fa- perhaps there is, is not and also is there a difference between people who are arriving children who arrive to you when they're fifteen or the one that are arriving you know later like seventeen so can, can you
1: yeah so um, or the
0: north or the east any kind of difference that you can relate to or, of the, or if, not, if there is not it's okay as well
1: obviously i think boys have more um confidence to deal with technology but okay. we do try to motivate the girls as well we we have mm-hmm. had we do have success with that Um i think the most important thing to understand dealing with 16, 17 year seventeen-year-old boys and girls is not the professions that they are studying. is about relationships, mm. and I think many schools or um, or many teachers don't. Ha- the teachers aren't to blame. It's never. It's always the system. But I think many teachers don't have the tools to discuss with teenagers today. What's happening to them um, in the community, in the society, with their relationships? And if you think that a 16 or a 17-year-old girl or boy isn't influenced by the relationships within the classroom, mm. with what's going on on his social media, with who's following on him on Facebook, with what was, has been posted about him on Instagram, you don't understand where these children live. And therefore, we decided that every week we will have sessions that we will separate boys and girls for a couple of hours and we will discuss relationships, how to have healthy, loving relationships. And with these relationships, what for many times are first love relationships, it's hugely important for these teenagers. Um, what is love? What is physical contact? What is safe sex? All these sort of things are also discussed. And uh, as I said, we divide them. Boys go with a male teacher, girls go with a uh, 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 female teacher. And we discuss, and some of the um, things that come up there are, are, are very complicated mm. of what is beautiful. Why mm. do I dress the way I dress? Why do I act the way I act? Why do I hang out in the places at night where I hang out? What do I expect from... What is friendship? What is loyalty? I think these are the most important lessons that we can give our uh, children. And there, you do have to understand that if you want uh, a completely open discussion, sometimes you have to separate boys and girls. And
0: uh, that's fine. That's fine. I was wondering because... you know, um, uh, Virginia Satir, which is, you know, the mother of uh, (laughs) family uh, therapy in some senses, you know, and uh, so I was wondering, and she's talking about the family as a system, and she Always uh, she has this notion, which is very interesting, that if someone in the family is, you know, is um, moving uh, and uh, being transformed in, in a certain way, though so the whole family is also changing. So I was wondering, do you also witness this in your, you know, in, according to your experience? Because you talked about the mother that, you know, mm-hmm. she's being called. And what is it, you know, and, and the first reaction is very negative. And so do you see any change in the parents uh, attitudes toward the children toward themselves uh, behavior in the house or or you totally to, or you separate and we are only interested in the children and we do nothing and we know what happens with the parents is possible but we are not taking responsibility over it so
1: as i said our our goal is to create change and you create change through education and through community and if you you have the opportunity to draw in the parents then your community is larger okay. so I told you about the children that were learning about the ocean and pollution. So they one day, as part of their social involvement activity, went to clean the beaches. Mm. And we did it on a Friday afternoon and the parents were invited. So it's a win-win for everybody. The parents get- How was the
0: experience?
1: uh, It was great. I mean, other than there's too much trash on the beaches and too, (laughs) too, too much plastic in the sea, Um, But as an experience, the the parents get to know the teachers, the teachers get to know the parents, the parents know the friends. Um, It's a positive experience. Um, They're involved in Mm -hmm. something that's meaningful. So we try to invite the parents. um, We we speak to them on a regular basis. Our teachers visit the homes, Mm, uh, which is very important. I mean, if you don't know where the bed of your student is, what it looks like, is it clean? Does he have his own bed? Does he sleep in the lounge? Does he share their bedroom with another four brothers and sisters? You can't be doing uh, uh, um, your job. So the parents are part of the community. They're always invited. Again, there are ups and downs. There are parents that don't want, there are parents that can't because they're holding two, sometimes even three jobs. But we consider them as part of, of the game and part of the school community.
0: We talked a little bit in our previous conversation about what happened with the corona, and I think this was a very interesting time in general. Well, it's still <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> but can you speak about what the sh- children, I mean, how how pupils, the pupils, students related to this situation? And you know, if I'm not mistaken, they did some some very creative, you know, work. Can you can you share with our audience, please?
1: True. Um, so. As I said before, we try to work with our children through what we call PBL, project-based learning. Um, We're very inspired from the work done in high-tech high in San Diego, um, from that uh, point of view. And we try to choose, or we make them choose projects that tackle real problems in life. And they they have to think how they will solve them through a product or through something that they do, and they have to figure their way out and they work in small teams. So when coronavirus broke out in March in Israel in 2020, um, it was complete lockdown in Israel. Um, And our students were the only students uh, in Israel that got a special permit um, to come to school because of the um, um, character of the students and the Ministry of Education understood that it will be safer for our students to be in school rather than to be in lockdown in unsafe homes. And um, working in the fab lab uh, with the 3D printers, they understood that they could uh, make a, uh, anything they wanted. Yeah. And one of the children thought because the virus, it was clear it was coming through the mouth and the nose and the breathing system, uh, they should make try and uh, develop a face mask um, for the medical uh, people because the first two weeks, or the first month. One of the biggest problems were that doctors and nurses were getting the virus and there was nobody to take care of the sick people. So they connected with doctors and nurses from the Paria Hospital and started to try and figure out how to create and print face masks. And after about 10 days they already had wow. uh, the first face masks and uh, face masks and they took them to the doctors and nurses in uh, Perea Hospital. Um, then came Passover, which is complete holiday. Um, you know nobody went anybody uh, anywhere uh, everybody was locked at home and our students said because this was a lifesaver, they wanted to continue to come to school even during the holiday. and again they got a special permit and the next population they wanted to try and literally save their lives was um, the seniors because again there was an outbreak of the virus in Mm. some old age homes and we know that people that were older uh, um, carried the virus in a more uh, uh, dangerous way and one of the children said well my grandparents are in an old age home and i'm worried about them and let's produce masks face for um seniors so that same day during passover holiday they produced 55 masks wow they took them to the old age home yeah. uh, of the grandparents yeah. they handed them yeah. in and they understood they can produce much more and over the next 6 weeks they produced 13000 masks wow. that were delivered to over 100 senior homes throughout Israel.
0: Unbelievable, and unbelievable.
1: These children at the age of 16, they made the headlines of the news, of the TV, of the everything. But when you talk about empowerment, when you talk about change, when you talk about believing in yourself, I'm absolutely sure that these stories will be told by these children to their grandchildren and probably their grand, great-grandchildren because they'll probably live till about 100 or 110. <laughs> yeah, we know. Um, And um, it was just so fulfilling. And they didn't care about holiday. They didn't care about lockdown. They cared about the role they can play in society, how they can change, how they can save lives. And it was an
0: incredible program. You know, I'm listening to you, and you know the question that pops into my mind is, why do you only start at the age of 15? Why can't you start at uh, the age of six? Or in kindergarten, I mean unfortunately, if i 'm not mistaken, these, the, the house or the broken homes that these children are coming from weren 't broken when they are fifteen. they were probably broken long before, and I was wondering because you said that you, you, you can't you know the history still has a huge impact, and I was wondering if there, is there a possibility or even if you thought about the opportunity or, or you know the possibility of starting earlier at any age. Or oh, even as a, you know, as, a, as a, an additional to the school, you know, as a, you know, from, from lunch when they are leaving the, the regular school, they'll then come to. What do you think about that?
1: So I'll share. I'll,
0: a, I hope uh, I'm not imposing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll share a story. Yeah. I told you about the first school in Carmiel that yeah. we started just over a yeah. decade ago. And uh, one day at the end of uh, the school day, which was very difficult and most days are difficult. Uh, the educators went back home to their educators community and they were having supper together, a group of them. And they were telling each other about the day they had and one of the girls said, you know, dealing with these children with a history of 16 years of violence, of crime, of abuse is so difficult. And she said, you know, exactly what you're saying. Why not begin? To cut a long story short, Two years later, we opened a kindergarten in Karmiel. Really? Aged three to five. We have 40 children. That was about five years ago. Three years ago, we opened a kindergarten in um, a neighborhood in Hadar in Haifa, which is a mixed neighborhood Jews, Arab, former Soviet Union Jews that have come. Uh, we have another two uh, 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 kindergartens in Rishon Lezion. And we have today 150 children of the ages of three, four, five. Um, and yes, it, again, it became, because of a discussion and trying to think how we can improve, how we can better a society. And, and this is a typical example of what Draw Israel is about. You know, how can we make things better? Begin at three, not at 16. Let's open kindergarten, so and I think learn
0: and learn by doing it and, and you know and create our um, methods and through through the experience
1: the experience is exactly the same. the methods are exactly the same. you just do it with a three year old you give him love you give him let him have a meaningful relationship with an adult um, you build the trust and it doesn't matter if it's trust because you can walk on your own or because you will have food and you will have clean clothing and you will have games to play and songs and, to and, sing
0: and, and also a lot of belonging and empathy and c- caring i think this is the, the 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 fundamental of it i think before anything else I, I, I was sorry yeah i was just going
1: i'm just thinking that when you said the word belonging um i think that's the biggest challenge with a community that we haven't spoken about yet and that's the arab community in israel
0: can you um, just can i just the last question now i want to sure. go there but also I was wondering if there was, you know, in an ideal world and there are no constraints and no threats and no problems, uh, what would you wish for this work? I mean, this this uh, wonderful initiative of schools and uh, of kindergarten, you know, where would you like to see, you know, Doris Israel in this, uh, I mean, in this specific uh, field, like 10, 20, 30 years from now, what would you wish for, for you and for the movement, of course? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, uh, I know, we do no, not speak I think, about
1: it. Yeah. First of all, I would say I would like this. Um, look, in our network today, as I said, we've got um, about... Um, From kindergarten to the high schools, we've got about 2,000 children, which is a lot. They come every day, and you see them five, six uh, six days a week. But in Israel, we have 2.5 million students. So I would say I would like the Ministry of Education to adopt as many parts of this philosophy. I would like to see children tested less. I would like to see children in smaller classrooms. I would like to see children spending more times with a specific educator, not in 40 hours that you study a week to see 25 different teachers. I would like to see studying, going out of school and into the community. We're not living in a world where the teacher is the authority of knowledge. I don't have my mobile phone with me on the (laughs) table, but... When I went to school, I needed my teacher to tell me that the French Revolution was in 1789. And it's good to remember. And, <laughs> I'm uh, joking. Uh, and uh, I may have been there in my previous <laughs> <laughs> previous life. But today, the whole concept of knowledge is, is at the tip yeah, yeah, of yeah. our fingers. Yeah, and yeah. therefore, the role of the teacher is changing. Yeah. Schools today are too much... They belong to the industrial era. The school today, the average school in Israel, still looks too much like the school in London in 1870. Um, And we need to move forward like, look how much change in science, look how much change in communications, look how how much change in medicine, look how much change in transportation, look how how much change in agriculture. But in schools we still sit in a classroom behind desks and tables and we have notebooks and we have a teacher and he speaks and we listen and we have a test at the end of the day that's part of a world that we're not living in anymore and i think it's about bringing schools into the community building relationships between adults and teens and i yeah. would even say not only adults but seniors, seniors. And maybe we can speak about that yeah. later as well yeah. and creating multi-aged communities um which can be very interesting
0: i i totally agree you can always learn you know from this uh, different perspective and age is a very very you know very important perspective i want to touch what we start talking about, you, you mentioned we had previous discussion about the uh, the relationship between Draw Israel and the, I would say the Arabic community, Israeli community and beyond that. So yeah, if you can, so and especially in light of the unfortunate upheavals and very severe situations that we all had to tackle like about two months ago, about yeah, three yes, months ago, three months May, ago but it feels like yesterday in many senses. So I think in light of it, it's going to be very interesting how to to see what your thoughts are or what are you doing? Yeah. So just for
1: those that aren't familiar, Israel is almost 9.5 million uh, uh, people today. Um, almost 2 million of them are non-Jews. And when we say non-Jews, the ma- huge majority of them are Muslim Arabs. Yeah. So about 21% of Israel are uh, Muslim Arabs uh, or Arabs, which is a significant uh, percent. And when you're talking about creating an Israeli society, um, the Arabs are there and they're part of it, and we uh, definitely see them as uh, equal uh, uh, citizens. And um, we want them to be part of um, the change we're trying to create and the community that we're trying to build. But they have a different narrative, they have a different religion, they have sometimes different customs. And I think the most challenging thing with the Arab community um, was to build encounters and places where we come together um, that are Related to the deep questions of Israeli society, not just, you know, we eat your food, uh, uh, you eat ours. We listen to your music, you, you listen to ours. But asking the difficult questions, how we can live together, where do we overlap and where are we different? And what we managed to do in Draw Israel is to deeply agree um, on the vision uh, okay. of Israel as a democratic peaceful and equal society and therefore the arabs are equal part of the movement equal part of um, the uh, the work we're doing and are trying to better israel as a whole into the directions of values of peace democracy uh, and leadership sometimes the methods are very similar sometimes they're a little bit uh, um, different Uh, we do have issues of um religion and respect and culture. For example, uh, now we're in August, many of the children are in summer camps, some of them with overnight, Uh, children can go for a week. In some of the Arab villages, it's impossible to take a 14 year old girl to sleep overnight away from home. We respect that, we understand that. And I think uh, uh, that's the thing. Uh, the, the last events in May were very, very difficult. Um, especially, uh, within the mixed cities like in Akko where we yeah. have in a community, yeah. we have a very vibrant yeah. community, yeah. um, a lot of violence, a lot of disrespect, uh, a lot of damage, harm, um, a lot of broken hearts. I think, um, it's, I always say we've got three options. We can give in, we can give up, or we can give all we can. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. So I think we need to give all we can. I think the hope for peace, the belief that human beings can live peacefully together, the belief that we have goals, that are healthy goals, that are for a society that lives together, Um, And a a, a stronger than anything. We have many, many partners within the Arab community. And from that point of view, I think at this time, we need to continue asking difficult questions, not only deal with what's on the surface, because many times the bubbling things under the surface are the more complicated ones, and if we won't solve those, uh, we won't uh, reach anything. Okay. But it is possible and we're definitely going to continue okay. trying building those bridges.
0: We have only a few last minutes unfortunately, so I wanted to ask you about what is uh, Beyond the Horizon? What are you really working? What you know, new initiative that we are going to listen? And hopefully we'll meet again and we have a you know a much thorough discussion about them, but can you give us a hint about what you're working right now?
1: I think... Well, we're working on a few things, but I think one of the interesting things, again, because of the understanding of the needs of the community and because what we've learned uh, about uh, um, through the coronavirus uh, uh, period is a lot about the seniors, a lot of loneliness. Um, and I think what we understand or what we want to work today is on creating multi aged communities, um, the shared co living. So if you imagine um, a building that has 50 apartments in the heart of a neighborhood, and 25 of those apartments uh, are held by 60 young adults, young families, children, and 25 apartments are um, for seniors, smaller yeah. homes, and they share shared spaces like classrooms where they can have workshops and things like that um, and create a community that shares again, the vision and the mission in different ways because obviously a 65 year old and a 25 year old uh, um, are in a different place in life. But I think we see more and more seniors that don't want to live alone. They want to be part of a community. They want to be active. Many of them are retired, so they have the time. They are absolutely healthy. They're some uh, the of them prime. Say, yeah, you would say yeah. Yeah, some of them yeah. understand. They have at least 25 years of healthy life. Yeah. Uh, uh, left. So, I would really hope that in a year or two we'll have communities of people from babies to seniors living in the same buildings in co-living, sharing. Uh,
0: um, if people want to le- learn more about, for example, this initiative or about the schools, where can they reach you, where they can reach someone else who's, uh, you know, responsible or give them answers so, or direct them? Can yeah, you get- so
1: The best way to get uh, information is on our website, which is o r g. It's in English. Um, or on our Facebook page, again, drawer Israel. Um, I would say the best way to learn is come spend a few days with us. People aren't travelling as much as they used to <laughs> these days um but uh, we're always happy we have we've uh, developed virtual uh, uh, tours Wonderful. now and um
0: what about uh if someone wants to you know contact you directly is it possible as well or, uh yeah.
1: yeah first of all on the website my my uh, information okay. uh, my information okay. is there and uh Okay. Anybody who wants, I'll I'll be happy to connect with.
0: Two last questions. What about working in communities overseas? Are there Jewish communities or non-Jewish, you know, underprivileged communities? Is there anything, uh, you know, on the horizon, you know, doing the wonderful work that you're doing beyond the, you know, the, you know, beyond Israel? beyond the borders of, of this very special place that we are living in?
1: So we have a sister youth movement in mm. uh, uh, in the world called Habonim Dror. Okay. Um, I think one of the most things- Bo-boni,
0: Habonim, it's build, the builders. Yes. Okay, um, builders, sure. Which yeah. is
1: exactly the same sort of youth movement, summer camp activities in formal education. Um, uh, um, one of the things we're most proud of is that in the last five or six years, we've had 100 young adults come mm. to live in Israel, mainly from English-speaking mm. countries, Australia, Canada, Britain, the US, and join the Draw oh, Israel communities. Oh, that's beautiful. And uh, so yes, we're worldwide, and uh, people are coming to live in Israel, to especially to join uh, this activity. And you think
0: you can start opening the schools and the kindergartens also elsewhere? That's uh, a tough question? That's a, <laughs> a, that's challenging a challenge,
1: one? but in today's world it's definitely easier. It's definitely okay. becoming easier. We, we train teachers in throughout Israel, not only in our mm-hmm. schools, uh, that take some of the ideas and we're
0: happy about that. Um, so why not go worldwide? Okay. Last. Question: If it's possible, I think it's going to be a little bit personal. So, if you don't feel, don't feel comfortable, you don't have to answer. You know, I'm listening to you, and it seems that your life, soul, spirit, mind are all embedded with the movement. And I was wondering, did you ever thought about how your life, your personal life, and your professional life would have looked different if you wouldn't have joined Well? What What is your view on that? You know, if there was, you know, a crossroad, then you could have using virtual reality and, you know, to see, you know, the, the alternative, what do you think you would have seen there? Um As a child,
1: I definitely would have said I want to be a footballer okay. and be a sportsman <laughs> in the best leagues in the world. Um Probably a more realistic uh, option uh, would be backpacking around the world and mm. volunteering in disadvantaged communities in the world, okay. in Africa, in Southeast Asia, or, uh, South America, places like that. But I think, and I'll end with that, um, my attachment to Israel and to the Israeli society and Israeli people is uh, is brought me where I am today and. I've been doing this uh, for almost 25 years now, and I don't know where I'll be in 25 years, but one, sure, one thing I'm sure is
0: that I'll never regret these 25 years. I'm, I'm sure about that. It was a wonderful conversation. I learned so much, and, and you and Rory Soel are really a source of inspiration for me so I want to thank Danny for introducing me to you and uh, to all of Dor Israel for the wonderful work that you are doing. I'm so proud to you know, contribute a little bit and and to learn and from you so much from you and from all the team and all the people. And I wanna, we have to finish, unfortunately. Hopefully, Gary, can I ask you to come again and to, to talk about the other initiative? Yes, okay. Yes, it was a positive experience. <laughs> I, I <laughs> was worried was I? about it,
1: but uh, it was <laughs> Why? definitely a I'm positive I'm a very event. nice
0: person. <laughs> so I wanna thank Lior. Uh, first of all, I wanna thank you, of course, again. I want Gary, and I wanna speak, and Danny, and I wanna thank Lior, our special, uh, wonderful assistant that is always, you know, he's a, he's an expert on everything, so, you know. And of course, to us for creating this wonderful platform for you know us, the regular people. And again, to Aya Shaha, my good friend uh, uh, that really you know, came up with the idea to take the, Isra- the, to take the Building the Future and show the Israeli way. So thank you again, Aya, for this idea. And see you back here again, probably next week. So thank you again. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>